Hi, this is Mike. This is Russ. And this is Matt, and you're listening to the Empty Spiral Podcast, the official podcast of the Lacuna Core community. It's episode 115, 115, and we're recording it on 25th of November. I am joined, as always, by my two partners in crime. I've got Russ. How you doing, Russ? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I'm trying to remember who you two are and what this podcast is about, but... <laughs> um, I'm sure I'll get there. Yeah, but, you weren't um, on the last one, yeah. were you? No, no, but uh, for my 10 cents, I will um, totally concur with your sentiments in that House of Shame is a banger and it will be a 10 out of 10 for me as well. Oh, there we go. So retrospectively, we've got a review from Russ. Good job. Uh, we got that covered. So what have you been up to? Me? Um, well, what we're pretty much going to cover today, really. A um, couple of shows on the Lacuna Call UK leg of the European tour. And um, pretty much just working the day to day, really. But um, yeah, we'll uh, get into tour time soon, and uh, good times indeed. Indeed, cool. Uh, and of course, we've also got Mike. Hello, Mike. Hello, Matt. Um, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Good. I'm fine. I'm I'm just in recovery from um, the tour, the UK tour. My voice is a bit creaky, um, but hopefully that last and fun times as, as you will both agree it's uh it's been a fun fun uh uk tour as usual yeah. we'll come on to in a minute yeah we'll talk about that in a little while um before we do that let's just sort of give a bit of news so as we mentioned in the last podcast lacuna coil are just finishing up the um european part of the delirium tour after that they'll be playing on the 13th of december uh, at the revolver awards in new york um which i'd love to get to but not obviously not going to get a chance to do that it's black friday which is a thing apparently i don't know about you guys but i live in england so it's not really a thing although it has become black t-shirt friday because i bought both lacuna corner and anathema t-shirts today anyway that's another conversation but apparently black friday is a thing in the us and as a consequence of that the um, lacuna Corner merch site has got a 50 percent sale on 50 percent. that's just amazing so yeah indeed so, of course, unless you, if you listen to this today, it goes live, which should be tomorrow, Saturday the 26th of November, you'll still get a chance to pick up the, the stuff from the site, because I think it runs through to Monday. Um, so do take advantage of it. They've got loads of T-shirts, new and old. I think some stuff goes back to about 2012-2013. So it's a real good chance to pick up some older t- tour T-shirts, and there's a poster, and there's a mugs, and there's, you know, there's a, a pretty good selection of merchandise on there. As well as the sort of the new stuff that um, the, not everything that you can get on the tour at the moment is available, but some of the t-shirts are. So definitely worth checking worth checking out. Uh, and we'll put the link in the show notes. It's already on the front page of Empty Spiral. Definitely worth an opp- you know opportunistic look. Um, I've managed to pick up two more shirts today, and I bought myself another hoodie, a replacement. You know, we might we were talking about the uh, yeah yeah the inside hoodie being a bit faded, so I picked up another. Yeah, one. that's what I did last time. It was on offer um, a while back, so, so good choice. Think I'm, I'm, think I might I'm, even buy a third. Picked up a hoodie for like nine quid. I mean, really, yeah, I mean, yeah. nine it's pounds ridiculous. for a hoodie is amazing, <laughs> and it's a zipper yeah. one as well. So I'll, yeah, you know, perfect. Keep, keep me going for some time. Anyway, so that's that's it news wise. So our plan originally was whilst we were on tour. We were going to spend some time talking about the tour itself, because as we typically do here, we all jumped in a car, my car on this occasion, and we drove up and down the length of the UK, attending as many tours as we could. 
many tours, as many shows, I should say, as we could. So um, Mike and I managed to get to seven. Russ, you managed to get to five, wasn't it? Because you missed the first one and unfortunately missed the last one. missed the beginning and the end, but Um, I did the middle. Yeah, so between us, we got quite a few shows in. And the plan was to, like we did on the last tour, spend some time talking about it. However, things went a bit wrong for us. And we'll come on to that in a minute because I think we need to (laughs) tell our audience, don't you guys, what actually happened. Yes. I think... That, that the old adage of what goes on tour stays on tour is normally fine, but on this occasion, I feel the world needs to know. So we, we weren't going to mention Harry Potter and the Chamber of Auschwitz. <laughs> uh, no, that was Hudson's <laughs> humanity. Come on, we've already mentioned that. Um, no, I was talking about our, our Wednesday night extravaganza. Mm. So anyway, the plan was to to spend time at Mike's house on Thursday. Russ, you had to. Um, train back down to London to, well, to, to Kent specifically. I did. I did. I had a nightmare that was so bad, in fact. I haven't told you, you two this yet. My train journey was so severely delayed, I actually got the full cost of my trip from Manchester to Maidstone refunded. That's how shit wow. it was. Wow. That, that must be pretty grim. Crazy. <laughs> so you actually, grim. you actually could yeah. have stayed with us for the day then, is that what I'm hearing? Pretty much, yeah. So, uh, yeah, crawling into work on the Friday morning was not a pleasant experience. No, I can well imagine. <laughs> So anyway, we um the plan was for us to sort of spend some time, um, just really giving our thoughts about the tour. Uh, but we didn't get a chance because of reasons, which we'll come on to in a bit. Um, so we thought we would do that now. And I figured that we would kind of talk about the, the show itself, the set list, which most people listen to the podcast by now, I'm sure, are familiar with. Um, just our general thoughts, really. And I f- I think it's probably best if we start with the the um, the London show and kind of take it from there only because as far as the three of us are concerned that's the first time we were all together watching the shows mm-hmm. yeah and I think a few of us said at the time and I certainly remember posting on Facebook and I, and I think you did too Michael I'm not quite sure if you did Russell but I thought that the the London show at Coco was the best London show that Lacuna Coil have ever played and I I think it's a it's actually a reflection of the quality of the show overall, quality of the set list, the quality of the performance, quality of the sound, the quality of the, the visuals, which I'll come on to, um, throughout all of this tour that I've seen, and I'm sure for those of, uh, that have seen Lacuna Call in Europe and, and beyond in this year, um, it's the same sort of quality. So, um, guys, what did you think? Rust, what did you think of the London show? I thought the thing that's special about the London show... Um, I mean, it's Coco, and Coco is a venue that you know we've obviously been there. Some members, uh, or some members of the audience, might well have, have been to Coco themselves. People not from the UK, perhaps not. But there's a special vibe to that building as a venue, and there's a unique sound to it, and everything is really clear. And I think it really adds to a sense of atmosphere. So when the band plays well and the crowd is into it. There's just, you know, there's just something that happens that you can't really replicate anywhere else on the tour mm. for me. Okay. Well, in in terms of their performance, because they played at Coco before, and I know you've seen them at Coco before. How how did this one differ? How did the Delirium tour differ from those ones? Um, I just think it's one of the most well-rounded set lists that they've put together in terms of flow. Um, I mean, we'll probably all say it. The only song I think that we would swap out um, would be Spellbound, which was the second song uh, in the set. I think might Something. might quite jump might jump in on Trip the Darkness here, but yeah, I think mm, certainly. Yes, maybe. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah okay. so, no, that's the only song that I would probably switch out to be honest. And I thought 
the production was great, the lighting was great, the visuals were great, and yeah, we'll probably come on to. I don't know if you two have seen the review that was in Kerrang last week I on haven't, Coco Show. Actually, I, something I've I'm yeah. been somewhat remiss of me. Was it good or? Um, it's sort of sensationalism journalism. To call the guy out, I'd just call him a massive prick because he he reviews the show and he says it's a great performance. The sound was great. The delirium songs are great. But he goes on this whole diatribe talking about why they've got this sort of mesh cage on stage that looks like a chicken coop. And it's sort of like he spends the whole article writing about this piece of mesh rather than the actual performance. So he says the band is great, but then focuses on this one item. And it just seemed really pathetic to me. And quite a few people have sort of picked it up and sort of ranted at the guy this week. And I don't blame them because it sort of takes away from what was a truly amazing performance. How bizarre. I mean, I would say if it wasn't for the fact that Crane's a weekly magazine with not that many pages in it, he might have had a, pay, a word count to fill. So he wanted to focus on mm. the mesh for some reason, but to focus on, on on the mesh, which I think is actually a really cool part of the set, and I would come on to. It's bizarre. No, yeah. I, I, I mean, to, especially I in Downfall, it's like the, it's the centerpiece of the set. But uh, no, he referred it to uh, Aiken to a school production, and like everyone has basically said, "What fucking show were you at, mate?" Oh, well, there we go. Oh. So well, not everybody, we can't agree with everybody's review. I mean, clearly, we're not agreeing with this guy's. Um, but you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure it, um, yeah, that everybody has an opinion on these things. I certainly didn't consider it a school production. Any school production with meshes and kids behind it is a bit dark, in my opinion. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about you, Mike? What did you think of the performance in London? Um, I think it was flawless from start to finish. I ended up th- three from the front. Um, so I got a good sense of the atmosphere from down there with the crowd and everything with a few of my friends. And I, I was looking back today, I think overall since 2003, I've seen 15 or 16 London shows. But this was if if they'd set that, the bar high in previous years, this was just way beyond that. And I think that is down, as Russ has mentioned already, the tight set list. Spellbound, we all agree, maybe could go out there. Trip the Darkness, I don't really like anymore. I'd, I'd get rid of that. But other than that, the flow works exceedingly well. And overall, from start to finish, especially with Didi, mention him as well as a new new member coming in. Um, he's fitted in very well with the whole setup and sound lights, their vocal performance, the tightness as a band, the whole thing just worked as a package together. Mm. And thum- thumbs up. Yeah, and I think that's a. I, mean, we, I focused on London because that was the first show that we were together. As I said, yeah, right? yeah. But the same could be said for all of the shows. Oh um, yeah, definitely I mean, the whole the, tour. When I look at the UK shows, the only things that have been different, and this is cut from coming from talking to the guys, that you know, the crew guys, um, is some of the, the the stages have been quite small, so therefore mm. there hasn't been the, the space to put the the riser box, which sometimes Dee would stand on or Christine or Andrea would stand on. They haven't always had that opportunity. Um, but that would say that's probably maybe only two or three of the shows, maybe even only two, actually, thinking about it. Uh, but the main difference has been the, the lights. So some places you get lots of lights and some places you just don't get the lights and maybe they're not too high enough or whatever. And one thing that I've noticed is that the Kunikor shows are always really well lit and they certainly have been for the last three or four years, increasingly so. Definitely part of the performance. Um, and I can say that without too much sense of irony, because in the last 10 days, we've reviewed Wolfie, who's the lighting engineer, 
and he's kind of explained how all this stuff. And if you, when we post it in the podcast, um, I'd encourage everybody to to listen to it and have a second look at the Kunikor shows um, and look at the lighting because I think it, that is a very spectacular part of the show. Um, it's part of the reason why when I recorded the did the Glasgow video, I did it from the back of the room. And I think it really came out worthy. You get to see the lighting. Uh, I can't wait to put the rest of those videos online. But the the thing for me that I really like is the just the sense of performance. And I don't just mean the sort of the vocal performance and the moving around on stage. It's the fact that they're all getting dressed up in some way, shape, or form. You know, firstly, the Kunikul have always had a sense of sartorial elegance. I don't know if it's because of their Italian uh, background or whatever it might be, but they always come out dressed in with a certain sense of style relating to the album or, or, or whatever. Yeah. That is it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, whether it's going back to the Carmico days of the, the white shirts and ties, whether it's the jackets, whether it's before that, we have the monk robes and, and Christina's classic red dress, or whether we, we've got now the obviously strongly themed with the album, we've got these kind of faux straight jackets that they're wearing with the sort of sanatorium type stuff. Which you're all wearing. But on top of that, they're all putting their own makeup on. They're all decorating themselves in certain ways. You know, whether it's um Ryan at the back with his skull or whether it's the kind of the, the freaky Rob Zombie type clown, um, Marco, whether it's the, the the dead man shot in the centre of the forehead from Dee Dee, whatever it might be, it's it, they've got that. And it adds a certain amount of flavour to it. And then you look at the set dressing. And I think this is the most comprehensive set dressing they've ever had. I mean, we've, we've been using backdrops for a while. In After Shallow Life, I think we got a video wall once or twice, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. We certainly get a, got a video wall in London, one of the shows there. Um, so we have had some pretty good set dressing, but I think this is the first time that we've had such strongly themed set dressing. There's, a lot, there's so much to it, and, and I'd argue there's so much to it that people don't even see it all. Um, depending on where they are, you know, there's the the, the kind of the masks, the, the hanging mannequins. You've got the elephant man, whatever it might be, hanging behind Ryan. You've got um, dresses with writing all over them, very much mirroring what Christina wears in the second part of the, I say second part, it's the last part of the set when she comes in after the encore. You've got all of that. And then, of course, you've got the uh, the cages, which um, Marco and, and Diego stand behind for a couple of the songs. And that all adds up to just one big rich experience for me. I just think they've put a lot of effort into it and I think it shows. It feels like a really polished performance without being cheesy, irrespective of what the guy at Crane might think. In in terms of the, the set list, you you said it flows and we you know collectively remove spellbound. Um one of the things I felt perhaps wrongly, but I took taken away from the last couple of albums, Dark Adrenaline Broken and Halo, is I I didn't feel that enough of the songs of those albums got enough love, and I think that's probably a wrong thing to say, because I'm sure they did. But it didn't feel like they did to me, and I can't work out why. I maybe need to go back and look at how many songs from those albums were actually on the set list at any one time. But this particular set list really does feel like a good number of the songs from Delirium are on the set list. And that feels good to me. Uh, what do we think about the order of the songs? I mean, we talked about it a lot, both to the band and amongst ourselves over the course of the tour. 
Why, what do you, you know, that the opening up with Ultima Ratio, etc., and closing with House of Shame, ironically, you know, those two songs are back to front, back yeah. to front, yeah. 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 So how, how does that, how does the whole thing work for you? Uh, I think it works very well, and as we've seen the, the stage set up and with your videos and everything, they come on with like the dark atmospheric tone to everything, and then hit everyone with with a bang kind of thing, and then it goes from there. It doesn't slow down from start to finish, up until I would say uh, the seventh song, Ghost Woman and the Hunter, that they've reworked, which I think is an excellent choice that, that they've done. And then you move further on, trip the darkness. I, I, for me, that's a throwaway. But it, it leads oh, into downfall. Sacrilege! You can't say. I, I think on this. I think on this tour, All right. I, I would put something else in there. Um, but go, going through it works really well. Enjoy the silence. Is a good crowd pleaser. I don't know whether they'll ever drop that. Maybe. Who knows? Um, but like you say, it's good with the de- delirium choice we've got. <laughs> seven songs on on that set list and i think that's just the right balance anything less i don't think would do it justice for the tour and what they're promoting as a band and and that's what it's all about on this tour and it works extremely well what do you think russ on the the set list yeah i don't disagree with anything that mike has said the word that springs to mind for me on this tour and this set list is progressive because as mike mentions you know out of the set list seven of the songs are from Delirium. Um, you've got Diego in there as a new member. You've got Ryan, who's obviously been in the band a few years now, but he's still reasonably new to the fold. And I think it sort of all adds up to, you know, creating a, a forward, forward-thinking, progressive band. And I think the future looks certainly bright for the band. It's, you know, they're playing great, sound great. They seem to be enjoying themselves, and it's, you know, a completely fresh lease of life. And, you know, similar to Mike, I think the the set list runs really well. The highlights for me are probably the three songs, which will be The Ghost Woman and the Hunter, um, Blood, Tears, Dust, and House of Shame. And, you know, the new songs blend in with the classics. And, you know, the fan reaction to the new songs was probably, you know, amongst the, the, the biggest of the night, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said. Just pick it up on a couple of songs here, one older and one even older. Let's talk about The Ghost Woman and the Hunter. There's been a few comments made about it's the fact it's a shorter interpretation of the song which is upsets maybe too strong a word but some people are focused on that and not particularly happy about it um the second point i was going to make is it's an interesting choice of song to you know re remake as it were or, or, or reimagine the song for life a good choice i mean you do, do, do we like the fact that they've taken a, what is been a relatively i'll say unknown is a wrong word but certainly not one of the more popular songs in terms of you know, pop, you know, it's not the most famous of, of the Kunikor songs, and they've reimagined it. Has that worked out for us, guys? What do you think, Russ? Um, it does for me. Um, I like the fact that because the content on Delirium is heavier and it goes back to you know, some people would say the the older sounds, sort of you know, Karma Code era and beforehand. I think to bring a song like that back is is a good move, and I think it blends in really, really well. Um, looking at it, I think you know. I thought about it a lot, and is there necessarily the demand or the expectation now from the fan base to hear a song like um, "Heaven's a Lie"? They could probably drop that. I mean, I know Mike's mentioned, you know, drop "Trip the Darkness," but you could probably drop "Heaven's a Lie" and throw "Swamped" in there, or you know, bring in a, another song from Comalize. I think now the setlist is such, with the new material being heavier, that they can throw anything in the setlist now. There's no limitations. 
Mm. But as far as you're concerned, Ghost Woman and the Hunter works. Yeah, it does for me. Mike? It's just great to hear Christina sing that song. Yeah, yeah, it, it works works for me as well. And I like I like in some ways that they have shortened it because I'd, I'm not sure it would work if it was the full full works as it originally was. I think that it's short and snappy and to the point of where it is in the set list, which is it kind of takes the uh, the foot off the gas a bit with it before you hit the the second half of the set list. Um, it is interesting though why they have picked that as you say it is not exactly an obscure track but if they are going down that train of thought with with something like that that isn't as well known what other reworks could they do in the future where interestingly they might pick something from from I don't know Unleashed Memories even in a reverie if if they see fit um, and it would be interesting to to ask them why they, they, uh, they did go with that choice. Well, funny you should say that, because we did ask him. Um, we've got an interview coming up with Andrea and Christina where we one of the questions that's posed to them is, is about that and about other opportunities and other songs. So um, we'll be posting that at some stage in the near future, no doubt. So that was Ghost Women and the Hunter. In the past, we've talked about somewhat controversially whether or not Enjoy the Silence needs to be on the set list. Russ, you said, you know, they've got a number of songs now that are well enough known throughout the fan base, whether new or old, that they can choose very lots of different things on their set list to make it a good set list. Mm. Um, and yep. yet they're still playing this cover. Yeah. So what do we think? Should they still continue to have Enjoy the Silence in the middle of a lacuna core show? Silence. Honest answer. We're enjoying the silence. Honest answer. Go on in. Enjoy, enjoy the silence. For me, no, um, because I think the dynamics of the band have shifted. Um, I think obviously now we've moved from two guitars to one, which has a different sound live. Um, and for me, I don't think Enjoy the Silence really sort of cuts it on the single guitar for me. I'm not saying it's a bad performance. I just think there are more creative opportunities to bring other songs in on the one guitar for me. It okay. would work better would sound better okay what do you think mike um yes and no mainly ah, non-committal yeah. i like it well yes because of the nature of how it gets the crowd going even more <laughs> and the sing-along and everything else with it no because i don't think you should have our truth back to back with it i don't think that necessarily works but if you take it out what do you put in there you put Daylight Dancer in, something of that age, Tightrope, uh, I don't know, something off Unleashed Memories, Choice is Endless, I suppose, but I don't know, throw it up in the air and I don't know, maybe maybe ask the viewers what they think. Stick upside down in there instead, let's be honest. Well, Fragile works, Fragments of yeah, Faith fragile, works. Fragments to the edge. Yeah. You mm. create what I see. I see. Mm -hmm. uh, See, I, I I think I have a different view than you guys. Uh, certainly, do. I I think it, I think they should leave it in there. And I'm I know in the past I've said the exact opposite. And I think let me see if I can work or get say this the right way. Firstly, it's a good cover of a good song. Okay, let's not um, ignore that. But secondly. I think it's a really... Certainly in the UK, okay? So, obviously, we see them mostly in the UK. 
um, certainly I think it's a really good way to connect with the audience. For those people that might be coming to a Lacuna Coil show for the first time, and they're always new new fans, um, there are also fans, a lot of fans, I think, that that found Lacuna Coil with Coma Lies and therefore have heard Enjoy the Silence on the album and want to hear it because it is a great song. Oh, I know, obviously, there's lots of great songs on Coma Lies, but because it's a cover, it's because it's been so well done. They, they want to hear it. And it's also a classic sing-along. Um, you know, Christina really enjoys sort of riling the crowd up, getting them to sing louder and louder and louder. Uh, it's a simple song. And I think that's just really, really strong. There's lots of strong reasons why they should continue to have that song on the set list. That's my opinion anyway. Um, I... I'll admit that they could have lots of other songs of their own. But I, I genuinely believe that having Enjoy the Silence on there gives the crowd something to sing along to. It shows respect. It's got it's a good cover. It, it's a good way of connecting with the audience in a way that um, they, I won't say they won't do with their own songs. That's not true at all. But it gives them a, a new way of doing it. So I think it should stay on there. Does that make sense, by the way? What I just yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's where I'm sat on the fence with it. Everything that you've just mentioned is the reason to keep it on there. But is it going to be one of those things like Swamped has fallen off the set list at the moment, but Heaven's a Lie is still on there? Is it going to be the case that Enjoy the Silence, if if the band is still touring in five years, is it going to still be on the set list in five years, which... I, at this very moment, as, as we were discussing it, I think it's the type of song that probably will be. So what about Our Truth, then? For a long time, it was the song that Lacuna Coil finished their encore with. We've had balloons coming from the ceiling. Um, we've had long lead-outs. We've, you know, we've, we've really... It, it's been that kind of final swan song, as it were. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, that that, is, that leaves us, those of us that have been to any more than a handful of Lacuna Coil shows, knowing that this is the last song on the set list, um, irrespective of what came before. But it's not anymore. So, Russ, what do you think of that? Um, it depends upon what is closing the set and where our truth is in the set. Um, I think it works well where it is. Um, arguably, I think it could still work better at the end. But again, talking like I mentioned earlier about progression, you get bands, they do change up the end song. They do come out for an encore. Do you want to see Our Truth as the last song from 2006 to 2016 for every show? Not necessarily. So I think it's a positive step that the band are now closing the show with House of Shame, which is a new song. It's a heavy song and it's a well-received song. So I don't really see a problem with it, to be honest. Okay. No, good answer. Can't disagree with that. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I'd leave it leave it where it is. It's uh, it's a it's a good song um, choice and a good crowd pleaser um, when it's performed, and I like it a lot. Cool, Russ. You mentioned House of Shame closing. I love it closing the set, but it is such a heavy song. It's such a crowd pleasing song. Doesn't doesn't it leave the crowd too ready for more? 
as it were. I know they should. I know they say you should always leave the crowd wanting more. Um, but every time I've seen them play this, the crowd are just so pumped up with energy that it almost feels unfair that they don't get anything after that. What's your thoughts on that? No, it makes me think straight away. I mean, we've harked about this many times and we haven't seen it for years. I think that would work really well is to have House of Shame as the second to last song. And as soon as they finish that, they go into Daylight Dancer and then Daylight Dancer ends the show. Oh, back to Daylight Dancer, eh? Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. Big fan of Daylight Dancer. Yes. Especially if they mixed it in and they just carried on playing it through. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be so cool? Mike, what about you? What do you think about House of Shame ending the set? Well, interestingly, when I saw them in August, they opened with House of Shame, and that did get everybody riled up, and it was pretty chaotic, the crowd at that point, into the second song. I think it does, it is questionable what they do with it at the end. As you say, do do the crowd want too much and wants another song after the end of it? I, I possibly would drop it from where it is, put it right at the very start, and it, possibly even finish with delirium that might work don't know mm, that's, interesting. A, that's an interesting choice isn't it because i think because delirium and house of shame and to a lesser extent i would say um mm. ghost in the mist have been the three songs that probably most people have heard i mean I, yeah, I, yeah. or at least they're they've been the singles they're the ones that are on youtube they're the ones that have got videos or you know, so you know, whether they're lyric videos or whatever so they're kind of perceived, rightly or wrongly, to be the most popular of the songs off Delirium. Mm-hmm. So the fact that if you come to a Lacuna Coil show and you go, oh, my favourite song is House of Shame or Delirium or whatever it might be, because they were the ones that they released first and you've, therefore you've been able to listen to them the longest, I hope they play it. I hope they play it. I hope they play it. And then the last song they play is one of those songs, in this case, House yeah. of Shame. Then it leaves you with that buzz. Oh, my God, they played my song. And when they roll into the House of Shame, and when Christina says this is a house of shame, the crowd really do get pumped up for it. Oh, so yeah, it clearly definitely. is a hugely popular song. Mm-hmm. And maybe if they, they did the kind of house of shame went into, went into um, Daylight Dancer, it would be good, but only because the house of shame starts off the crowd and then it goes to Daylight Dancer or whatever. So, so I think it is a good idea. Um, I really do. But there's a part of me that feels a bit sorry that it's all over. But maybe that's just because it's a lacuna cool show. Yeah, yeah. Set list, is, is it long enough? And obviously um, I'm cautious about asking that question because we're probably always going <laughs> to say, no, it needs to be three times as long. Um, what, an hour and 15, an hour and 20? I've got another 10 minutes into making yeah, 90 minutes. I, I think it needs another song, another two songs maybe. Yeah, yeah. But then again, we've. I mean, in this particular tour, they've got two support acts, haven't they? So They've always, though, haven't they, consistently? You can go back. Mm. You can go back 10 years, even longer. They've consistently been at the one, one hour 10, one hour 15 mark. They yeah. don't really, apart from the Dark Legacy tour, when we had the one set acoustic and then another set, and that was very, very long. That, that is the staple part about them, that the quick bang, mm. hour and 10, off again. Yeah, true. I mean, it's a, it, it does feel not quite long enough for me but no, they get another they, three in there they're too, they put so much energy into it I can't understand why it's yeah. like, maybe they're aiming for the one hour and 19 minutes every time yeah. maybe that's a part of their 
their strategy now for their set list to make it one night. They play the remix at the end, don't they, when the crowd are leaving? That's hilarious. I managed to to catch a record. I was recording the audio at Glasgow. uh, And I actually turned off the audio. And then I realised I shouldn't have done that. And I turned it back on straight away. I'm not quite sure how many people get it, but the remix of House of Shame is Mm. epic. And I mean that in a kind of a a cheesy way, by the way. It's not epic, it's hilarious. Um, I hope we get a chance to listen to it actually, you know, released on a special edition or something one day. Because it is quite cool to listen to and it does make a very good um, party sort of shot across the bow when people are leaving the the, uh, the area or whatever, you know, leaving the, the venue. So I think we've covered off the set list, we covered off the lighting, we covered off the clothes and, and everything. So the performance-wise, I don't think Christina and Andrea have ever sounded better. I think, as I said to Marco in, I think it was an interview we did in the pub in Newcastle, um, I always feel that Lacuna Corolla are at their best when those two voices are opposite ends of the spectrum, when they're, they're when Andrea's at his most growly and gruff and Christina's at her most kind of angelic and high-pitched and... And I felt that, that that this is what we get vocally from them because of the selection of songs, because of the nature of songs on Delirium. And it just works really, really well. So they they clearly enjoy themselves. They're rocking out. Great stuff. Ryan always looks like he's having an actual bl- absolute blast at the back of the, back of the stage. And always, you know, definitely a showman. Clearly enjoying yeah. themselves. As you said, Mike, Dee uh, Dee has really created a personality for himself on the, on the um on stage he comes to the fore he sometimes steps up onto the podium thing the, you know the, the, the whatever you want to call it for his solos he, he obviously enjoys that he's interacting with the crowd and of course we know what Mackie's like um mm-hmm. other than constantly giving me the middle finger um he's obviously very passionate about what he does and you can see that in the way he's playing and you can see that in the way he's interacting with the crowd so they did they, they look like a, a you know an extremely competent um professional experienced band that have done this for a long time and, and i think the crowd feel comfortable with them so i'm i love this i've absolutely loved the delirium tour uh it couldn't have been better for me in, in pretty much every respect and the crowds have been really good the band has been great um loved every minute of it loved every minute of it so we're not going to go and talk about all of the different places we saw them in um but i suppose we really ought to talk about some of our own experiences um during the uh during the tour uh for myself i spent most of the tour dates taking photos or videos uh in the photo pit for a a couple of the shows and then moving to the sides didn't really go backstage and taking your pictures from the back of the stage which i've done before mostly because the stage is not that big and i'm very conscious of getting in the way of people that have got jobs to do you know um dave etc and, and or joe's at front of house but, but those guys you know the crew that have got whether they're tuning guitars or fixing problems whatever it might be you keep out of their way and there's wires everywhere and it's dark and I, I, I tell you this, guys, I live in this constant nightmare place where I'll be trying to get into a place to take a picture of Ryan at the back of the set and I'll trip over a wire and everything will go <laughs> off. Okay, it's like, I, that's, that's, yeah, boom. 
<laughs> I, I live in this this kind of nightmare place that I'm doing that. So I'm so tentative when I'm taking photos of Ryan at the side at the back. Because he goes, he always says to me, Matt, come on stage, take photos. I was like, one, no one wants to see me at the back of the set taking photos <laughs> of the drummer in the middle of a show. How distracting would that be? Two, absolutely paranoid. I'm going to trip over a wire and, and try to face plant myself on the set or maybe into the drums or something. <laughs> and, and certainly break something horrible because I've got big feet and I'm a lumbering fool when it's dark. And I'm certainly not going to get my iPhone out and use it as a torch and go, excuse me, I need to get back here. You know, in a bit. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> so I didn't get that many pictures of Ryan from the side, but I'm pleased to say that I've got quite a few pictures of Ryan, good pictures of Ryan from the front. Um, fortunately, my, my camera lens was quite good in the dark. And I sort of, because of the nature of the stage setup, Christina and Andrea kind of, were either side of him so I could get a pretty good channel down the centre to take some good pictures of him. Uh, I did some video. I did video at Glasgow where I didn't do... I, I, unlike, I think it was Birmingham on the last tour, I did the entire show. I didn't do the entire show in Glasgow. Kind of regretting that, actually. I did most... I certainly did all of the new songs. I did Enjoy the Silence. I did Ghost Woman and the Hunter. I think I might have done Heaven's Alive, but I'm not sure... I need to go check them up, check my videos. Um, but certainly got some great video there. Really happy with that. Wish I got the whole set. I tried a bit of GoPro in at Bristol. Was it Birmingham? It was uh, Birmingham. Birmingham, was. wasn't it? Yes, it was Birmingham. Tried a bit of GoPro in, and it came out okay. I think I'll put it online um, for the first three songs. So essentially what I did is put a GoPro on top of my camera and then just kind of... So you kind of get a camera's eye view of what's going on for the first three songs. It came out okay. The the Bristol environment didn't really give me a lot of good opportunities to record good audio there. And when it came to taking photos, because the stage was so small, I didn't want to sort of be in the way of the audience. So after the first three songs got off, I actually went out the venue, came back in at the top, and then anybody who knows the, the Birmingham venue, you'll know that as you look at the stage on the right-hand side, there's a, an exit, which is... Um, a, a set of stairs that goes up and out. I've um, I stood about most of the way out the top of those and got some good shots, which some of you, you'd have probably seen actually if you looked at my shots on the empty spiral site of the, the stage. It's a good shot of Andrea and Christina jumping up. Um, I quite like that picture. I know, I know Andy does. So there's that. So that was the kind of the video and the um, videos and the photos. Didn't really get go out of my way to get sh behind the scene shots this time round, but we did get more interviews, audio interviews than we've ever got before. So we got all of the band. Uh, we got Andrea and Christina together. That was in Southampton. Uh, we got first one was Marco, and then we got Ryan, and then we got Dee Dee. Uh, we also got interestingly enough uh, Richard Wolfgang, who's a lighting engineer. We've got Joe, who is the um, sound engineer. Uh, I didn't get Dave, actually. I did try to get Dave, who's a guitar tech. Didn't get him. We had no point getting the drum tech, because that's Ryan all over again. Uh, the tour manager, Gus, you can hear if you listen to the Alcatraz tour special podcast the year before last. That was when I did a long interview with Gus over breakfast. So this year, I guess what I'm saying is we... We, both, we got all of the band, which was great, and we also got some of the crew as well. So you really get a kind of a behind-the-scenes experience, and we'll be putting them on the podcast, well, over the course of the next couple of weeks, I guess, every one we do. Yeah. And then, obviously, Wednesday night happened. 
So who wants <laughs> to tell this story, guys? You want me to do it or you guys want to do it? Um, I think you can. You sure, Russ? You don't want to be the storyteller? Oh, I forget this day. I forget this day ever happened. What are we talking about? All right. Yeah, so, it out. all right. So, no, we're not going to blank it out. We need to tell tell our listeners. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Manchester, um, they played at Academy Two, which is on the what road is it? Oxford Road, is it? Oxford Road. The yeah, Oxford yeah. Road in Manchester, which is the part of the university. And they're redoing all the roads around there. And we normally park behind the church or behind the behind the venue somewhere. And I just, for the life of us, we couldn't, my, my sat-nav was like, no, you must go through this bit of the road you can't go through. So after kind of looping around twice, like we're never going to get anywhere near the venue. We're going to have to park somewhere else. So we looked around and I can't remember. I think Russ found the, found the car park. We found a car park in a back street in what looked like the kind of the dormitory area, I guess. Um, certainly based on our experience later, it is where a lot of the um, a lot of the university students have got dorms and apartments and flats, etc. So we parked in this place, which was like £8.50, was it, Russ? I mean, like £8.49 for 24 hours. It was hours. less than that. I think it was, four, I think it was like £5.90 or £6. Quid it, it, it was amazing. You know, it was like, oh, my God, how it's normally like <laughs> what you pay anywhere else for three hours. It, this was for 24 hours, we thought bargain because it was one of the costs of, of following the band on tour is parking and accommodation parking could can get very expensive in some of these places so we parked it and the, the car park itself was an absolute bloody nightmare it was down in the basement <laughs> i grounded my car at least once because there was this ramp which must have been about 45 degrees and as slow as we made it go down it was still grinding its way down we couldn't find a place to park until right at the bottom. Finally managed to find a place to park. Thinking, all right, whatever it is, it's cheap. And the plan was, this was about, what, two, three o'clock in the afternoon, I guess, something like that. Yeah. plan was, um, um, you know, pub, drinks, yada, yada, yada. Um, go and see the show. Pub, drinks, yada, yada, yada. Turn up at one, two o'clock in the morning and drive to, our, to, um, to Mike's house, which is where we were going to um, sleep. So without going into too much detail about the show and stuff, we get back to the um, car park. About a mile walk, I guess, guys, would you say? Yeah, about uh, 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, it was It was pretty, yeah, it was about 2.30 in the morning. So we hadn't, had we waited for the band to go? I don't think we had. I know we'd spent some time at Big Hands. We'd yeah. gone to Abdul's. Uh-huh. Uh, Abdul's cr- after show party. The, the Abdul's uh-huh. after show party. Where Christina had something that was far too spicy and she wasn't happy. Um, <laughs> and we, I ate pita bread because it was really nice. No, it was naan bread, wasn't it? It was um, Don, yeah, yeah. Donna kebabs in naan bread. So, you know, if you'd have gone into Abdul's at about 11.30, you'd have basically seen all of Lacuna Coil and their crew crammed in this place eating kebabs because it's mm-hmm. Abdul's. And then next door for a few beers, I, I didn't know anything. I had one because I was driving, which was um, the rather cool little kind of pub bar very american feel to it actually where there's a guy at the back playing vinyl records uh, and, and there's a, a chap sitting down reading a book and there was lots of soft sofas and red lights and stuff i, I really liked it it was, it was a really cool little place um go back a bit of a chat with everybody we leave as you say two o'clock walk back to the car by then it's about 2 30 mm-hmm. something like that and the barrier's down well, when I say the barrier, the, the security grill is down to get into the car park. All the doors are locked. And there's a sign that says, 
close between 12 midnight and 6 a.m. Call this number. There's no number there. It's just blank. In an emergency. Or no, they'll only open it in an emergency. So there was quite a lot of swearing at that point, wasn't there? As I, mm-hmm. I, was, I was just in this kind of state of shock because I was tired. <laughs> I just wanted to go somewhere that wasn't a cold street in Manchester. Going, what? And and, I, and then we kind of walked away from the place. We tried to see a number. You guys came went back later. God bless you to, to try and sort it out. And we didn't, but that's, that's not the point. Um, and... We're in this kind of what we're going to do because we're essentially three and a half hours from when we can get the car. And we debated all kinds of things. Do we do we get a, a bus, what's sorry, sorry, a, a taxi to Mike's place, recognising that it was probably going to cost us £50 thereabouts to get there. And then we'd need to come back anyway in the morning to pick the car up. So that would be the cost of the journey back. Still not quite sure we made the right decision about that. But anyway, then there was a debate about whether or not we should um, just go to a travel lodge or something and just buy a room between us and crash down. But by the time we'd really had that conversation, it was about three o'clock and we were thinking, well, that's only three hours. It's probably going to cost us £80 for, for three hours. That's, that, that sounds like a prostitute. If Sorry. <laughs> you know, that, oh, then we get to that later. Yeah, no. Um, that, that sounds like uh, a, a bad decision. So it's like, what are we going to do? And the answer was, find a place that's warm and sit in there and kind of just stay there for three hours until six o'clock comes. So we walked up to, I don't know what road it is, Mike, you'll know geography of Manchester better than I will. But we, we walked around a bit and we found the all night, well, the 24 by 7 McDonald's. So we went in there. That place is really loud, isn't it? All the time. Oh my god! In the morning. It was three, four o'clock in the morning, and I swear to you, some of those girls must have been so cold. Mm. Oh my god! Coming out of nightclubs, totally lagered up, wearing no clothes, basically. What does it look like? And they're eating loads of McDonald's. There was lots of shouting. There was screaming. There was, um, as Russ has just alluded to, there was a an argument between a prostitute and someone. Um, it got very quite vicious. I think there were chips flying at one stage. I know he was throwing paper at ketchup aimed at heads. Oh, it, it was, was it, got, it got ugly. I mean, it, this just went on and on and on. There was just it was <laughs> relentless. There was never a point where McDonald's was actually quiet. It, it was just an relentless. episode of Mad Max in McDonald's. It, Manchester. it was just absolutely mental. And, and I'm, I'm, I was falling asleep anyway because I was so tired because I don't know about driving. Unfortunately, I managed to get well enough to keep me going. I think at one point, Russ, you lost your rag and said, fuck this, I'm going to go and see if we can have a go and sort it out. Well, that's, yep. that's how it came across to me anyway. So you <laughs> you and Mike left McDonald's, leaving me there in McDonald's, um, and walked back to the, the car park in, in an attempt to um, convince whoever was there that you could we could get in and get the car out. Um, it should be noted at this point that, of course, I I'd, I had my backpack with me. And at that back at that point in time, that backpack had two cameras with lenses, one MacBook Pro, GoPro, audio recording equipment. I mean, there was a good few thousand pounds worth of stuff, probably close to about three and a half thousand pounds worth of equipment in this backpack. We knock you just looking back, back, and I'm thinking, I didn't really feel vulnerable, but I was thinking, that's a lot of money if I lose this. I better keep quite close. And bearing in mind, I was tired as well. 
Anyway, you guys went off. I don't know how long it was before you came back. I'm thinking it must have been about half an hour. Tommy walked there, had a conversation, had a bit of an argument, and then came back again. Net result was we didn't manage to get the um, the door opened for us. So we came back. <laughs> more coffee was consumed. And we basically stayed there until 6 o'clock in the morning. Where we went back. Guess what? Couldn't see anybody, but it was open. And then there was a a drive from the middle of Manchester to Mike's house, which probably took about 40 minutes. And of course it was busy. I couldn't believe it. Mm, I mean, we, it sure. was like quarter past six in the morning in Manchester and we're stuck in traffic. I'm thinking this is just not where I want to be. So we kind of got to, um, got to Mike's house, fell on sofas and fell asleep. And then I didn't see you after that Russ, cause um, you had to go. And I apparently was just totally lights out. Last time day. I was Last completely, completely out of it until midday <clears throat> so we missed out on recording our tour diary on that day because of an incident in McDonald's well not even McDonald's an incident which <laughs> resulted in us sitting in McDonald's for three and a half hours which I think I, as I said at the time I think I've done my McDonald's quota for the next couple of years because I'm, I'm not yeah. really a McDonald's customer but actually the coffee was quite palatable I have to say didn't have a problem, problem with the quality of the coffee in McDonald's didn't have anything to eat in there. Wasn't really feeling that. I was full of apples at that point. <laughs> anyway, I think we talked about this enough. That was our tour. Well, that was my experience of the tour. One final thing I will say, because I, I talked at the beginning about the fact that I'd spend most of the shows taking videos and photos. Um, given how many Lacuna Core shows I go to, I don't often stand in the crowd. Because if I want to take photos of the first three songs, or even if I want to sort of spend the entire set taking photos inside a stage or something, once you've taken three songs, three songs, to take three songs worth of photos, you, A, you've got your camera with you, and B, you can't get into a good position unless you're mic and you just muscle your way through. I, I don't get into a good position, so you end up standing at the back or whatever it be. I might go and stand at front of house um, with Wolfie or, or, or Joe or something. I might stand to one side, but I never really stand in the crowd. And because I've got my camera equipment with me, I never really feel part of the the kind of the relaxing, enjoying it for what it is kind of thing. It always feels like, I know this is going to come across wrong, but I can't think of any other word. It always feels like I'm working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the at the last show, I said to myself, I am going to get on the barrier and I am going to enjoy this show for what it is. And I'm going to take no pictures once the show starts won't even get my iphone out i won't do anything it's gonna be this is what i was gonna do so that's what i did so at the southampton show we got on the barrier mike and i front center there's a few people that we knew around us there was aaron that we'd met and no doubt a few people have seen him posting online recently he's had a you know, great tour great guy as well um and just kind of enjoyed the show as a as a lacuna core fan something i don't often do I got to see what everybody else saw for once, as it were. And I loved it. It was brilliant. I need to do it more often. I, I think I need to say, guys, remind me that in any time I do a tour of any, of any length, I need to make sure the last show or is the one that I kind of do my best to get front and centre and actually enjoy the show. That's that's my commitment now. You need Definitely. to remind me. Don't let me fall into the trap of working my way through these these shows and taking videos and stuff. I need to just sort of let my hair down ha 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 um and actually enjoy it and i had a, a whale of a time and probably screamed my head off louder than most people and i think i was clapping and horns up most of the time as well um 
which I think is important if you're front and centre because you need to roll the crowd up behind you. Uh, it's just, ironically, I weirdly enough, it's almost like working as well because you're like, no, I'm here to show everybody else how good a time you can have at a show. So that's what I did. Uh, and of course, we got thanked as well. The Empty Sparrow got thanked for by Andrea at the end, um, which was lovely as well. Which was yeah. So that's kind of mine, uh, guys. You got anything you want to add to that in terms of your own experiences? What about you, Russ? Uh, I think you've covered it really. Um, great time had by all. I mean, it was a unique experience. I mean, I've watched the London show from the middle of the crowd. Uh, some I watched from towards the back, some from the side. So you get a whole overall perspective. And as we covered, really, I mean, the band has never really sounded better, to be honest. And I think the highlight was how great both Andrea and Christina, not saying generally, but the whole tour, it was pretty much, you know, faultless. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Mike? Anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, same. New friends, old friends, hanging out with them is always fun <laughs> when they've had a day off. Um, seeing everything from multiple places, multiple pictures, and I think one of the best tours they've done in a while. And thanks to you two as well, it's been a really good experience. Well, let's go. Hopefully we'll get a chance to do it again soon. That's what yeah, I say. definitely. Lacuna so, please return to our shores so that we can spend more money in travel lodges and yeah. uh, drink more alcohol. Right, well, I think that covers our tour diary. Uh, that's been quite a bit, a bit of a roller coaster ride. I hope we haven't bored people too much. Uh, we, we're not going to put anything in terms of a interview uh, on the podcast this week, purely because of the length of the podcast. Uh, but we'll certainly do that over the next four, five, six weeks, whatever it might turn out to be. Uh, so I think that really leads us to do our review this week. Now, sunk in the horizon, we'll watch the hours go by, fall, and then rise again, I hear the darkness breathe, sunk in the horizon, we'll watch the hours go by, fall, and then rise again, I hear the darkness breathe. So this week we are reviewing the second song off of Lacuna Core's latest album, Delirium, called Broken Things. I have no idea whose turn it is to go first, but I'm going to use an executive decision and say, Mike, it's your turn to go first. The executive power. So, Broken <laughs> Things. <laughs> broken <laughs> Things, um, it's the second song you should mention. We open with a pre-chorus of Andy for like the opening 30-odd seconds, which starts off differently to other songs, I would say. Um, and he's got the growls, growls back, which <laughs> goes back to old, older school Lacuna Call um, era, which I like a lot. Then it goes into the the main body of the song by Christina. It, to me, the music on it is fairly simple, which helps in the background with just simple drum, bass, guitar. Because I think the mainstay of everything in this is Christina's voice. Andrea's voice playing off against each other, as we mentioned, um, and and I like it a lot. Lyrically, it's very complex throughout, um, and I would guess it's about bro- broken things. Is that about broken relationship or the things like that? And I don't know. Works works for me, and I like it a lot. Okay, cool. Um, Russ, what do you think of broken things? 
pretty much everything Mike's covered there, really. Um, there's a certain sort of um, production quality to this with sort of a, a processing on Andrea's voice that gives it sort of an, an eeriness. And I think the thing about Delirium is, as we've seen from the stage show on the tour that we've just mentioned, it's all centred around a theme. All the songs sort of run together. And I wouldn't necessarily say this is, you know, uh, an out-and-out out singles record. I think when you listen to Delirium, you have to listen to it front to back because it does sort of, you know, take you into what they describe as the sanatorium and each song tells a story. And I think Broken Things is is a part of that story. Um, I like the heaviness of it. Uh, I think it goes well on the placement after House of Shame. Um, and generally speaking, um, it's another strong song. Mm. I think you guys have covered it pretty much you know as i would in fact certainly picking up on your last point and i think i mentioned this if it was last time on the podcast or just in conversation it's hard to tell i'm losing my mind these days um, obviously that's my own delirium I, I i i can't ever listen to house of shame without immediately wanting to hear broken things afterwards i think the two just work so well they blend so well together uh, i i love the, the i mean there isn't any harmonies in this as you said mike you've got distinct set of verses an opening from Andrea and then he goes into Christina's vocals and then he switches back again and I, I really like that I really like the way it, it opens and, and ultimately the way it closes as well um, with those Andrea's vocals I love the tonal change between the point where he's all sunk into the horizon falling down really growling and then you've got those beautiful clear vocals from Christina where the tone of the song totally changes and it reminds me very much of Comalize at this point it's very very Comalize song in, that, in, in the way that she's singing the way that the, the, the verse is built up uh, the the bass has a very karma code feel about it. It, it this feels like a kind of a mesh of karma card and Comalize but with a new twist uh, the lyrics I really like in the verse I thought initially that I'd find when I when I first heard the song, I'd find the verse a little the, sorry the chorus a little cheesy. You know the one two three count of your lies. It's like a kind of a, a march, isn't it? I can see right through your eyes. Read my lips, cannot fix. You know six six six, no more tricks. I, I I thought I'd find that a little cheesy, but it works, and I and I really really like it, uh, and um, and I kind of surprised about that because I, I I think. Another song I'm, with these lyrics, I might kind of go, nah, I'm not quite sure about that. But this really, really works for me. Uh, I think it's an intelligent song. Relatively simple, as you said, in construction. But it's intelligent with it. It's got this, There's a quality about this song which I really, really like. Um, I love the way it leads out. Um, lyrically, aside, you know, talking about the, the points I made there, you talk about the theme. I, I, I'm not sure if I would describe it as a breaking down of a relationship. Mike, for me, it's about um, the breaking down of someone's mental faculties mm-hmm. sort of tying with the theme of delirium and the sanatorium yeah, yeah. that the, the person's recognizing that things are beginning to break down and they can't really control it and they it almost feels like they're kind of i don't know maybe accusing someone else of causing it um because he says, you know, I read my lips, I cannot fix all the broken things inside my mind. It's almost like they're, it's a response back to a doctor or a psychiatrist or psychologist, psychiatrist trying to help them and telling them you can yeah. do this. This is about you trying to fix your own problems. Um, but they can't. 
and their it's their frustration that they can't get that point across that say actually I want to be I don't want I want to be normal but you know my point I'm making here I want to be different mm. I, I, I want to fix these issues but I can't I don't have that power anymore um and maybe also the sort of going back to the idea if you look in the first half of the 20th century the kind of the the things that were done in sanatoriums to the patients in an attempt to cure them you know whether it was electroshock treatment or or the water treatments or whatever it might have been um, you know lobotomies etc um this feels like it's saying you're, you're doing all these horrible things to me and they're not working so it's actually quite yeah, it's a dark song that's how i see it I, I really like the song i really like it um wish they played life i think i said as much to andrea uh during it was maybe during the interview but certainly leading up to our interview uh with him what do you think scores wise i mean what, what would you give broken things uh nine strong nine strong nine okay yeah okay russ what about you sir uh, i'd say it's probably an eight for me okay uh i'm gonna go with mike uh, i've put put it down as a nine so we've got uh tens all round from house of shame and a strong sort of 8.5 kind of going up to nine for um for broken three things so great start great songs and uh, i'm i'm sure we're going to see more of the same as we go through the rest of uh, lacuna cause delirium any final comments on the songs before we uh we close the podcast out for the day guys no we should say just needs next door needs to be heard live absolutely russ Pretty much what Mike just said there. And um, one thing just to, to cover as well on the spectacle of the um, Delirium Tour was Christina coming out with the spotlight as well. I thought that worked really well. Yeah, but that's only... Oh, we didn't mention that. That's because we had to go to Staples yeah. and buy the bloody thing randomly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where was that? Was that in Bristol? No, it was in Birmingham. Must have been in Bristol. Castle, you it? must have bought... Yeah, I think you bought it in Bristol because it turned up in London. It was in Bristol because it was on the way out of Bristol because there was two Staples, do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, that's it, because it turned up in London. Bought the torch. Didn't work, of... though, did it? No fucking batteries. Well, no, they were. There's, so there's a story here, okay? This is a little bit behind the scenes stuff. So I get a message saying, can you buy this torch for it? Like, and I'm thinking this must they must have you know, need a torch for the van or for loadouts or something. And it, it was a Halfords. It wasn't Staples. We're talking about it was a Halfords. That's right. And we, when I got the message, I was sitting in a pub with um, with Mike and Laura in Bristol, and um, Howie was sitting there. Lovely little pub it was. And we, um, I was like, "Where am I going to get this from?" So I'm looking at Google Maps, and there's nothing within walking distance. So I said, "When do you need it for?" And he went, "Tomorrow or um, or uh, Saturday." So this was in Bristol. So in the morning when we drove out of Bristol, we swung by to. Um, to Halfords, and it was the quickest shopping trip ever. Do you remember, Mike? We walked in yeah, there, bang, walked stra- <laughs> straight up to the bloke because Laura was still sitting in the car. I said, I want this, and he went, It's over there. So I got it, paid him around. Must have been what 90 seconds we were in Halfords for. I said, That's, how, yeah. I, that's how I shop. <laughs> so I did turn it on in there, and there was a light coming out, but you can't really tell because it was quite a well lit shop. Got it, got it in the car. Um, we got to London and we had to carry it around London. Do you remember, Mike? Walk around the underground. <laughs> yeah, with this torch in our hand. And we, we, again, another story. We accidentally got on the wrong line, on the wrong fork of the central line and went back the way we came. 
anyway, I won't, I won't bore you with the details of that. Got to, got to the, the um, uh, got to Coco, and um, and Emma and a, and a few others standing outside. And was like, "What's the torch for?" Oh, I've just been asked to buy this torch. So I walked in, walked into the dressing room. I think that's where you were, right, Russ? I think you were there at the time. Yeah, upstairs. And um, I gave the torch over to Andrea, and he got it out. He turned it on, and nothing. No, it was like his, it was supposed to be like a million candles, but it was like <laughs> one <laughs> candle. Like, mm, this is not working. So there was this moment of, oh my god. Uh, I said, well, I'm not taking it back to Bristol. But I'm sure another Halfords would exchange it. Anyway, they went and changed the battery and it was all good. And then as everybody was at the Coco or any subsequent show, we'll know uh, Christina came out with the torch and shown it on people. So that's the story of the torch. That's where it came from. Um, but there was this moment like, oh God, I don't know what they need it for, but I've obviously bought my Duff one and they're going to expect me to take it back to Bristol. So there we go. <laughs> anyway, that was, there you go. A little added extra to go on the end of the tour diary that, I, that we completely forgot about. The story of the torch. I think that brings us to a close this week. It's been a bit of a long one, actually. We've talked quite a lot, or at least I have. My throat's a bit dry now, coughing away as I am. Um, we've talked about our experience on the tour. We've talked through um, broken things. Hopefully we can get back into the, the routine of having this conversation, recording it, and then boring our listeners around the world with what we have to say about Lacuna Core. Hopefully we can get back into that. Certainly we've got a lot of content to put online. Loads of videos I'm, I'm putting up in the next couple of days. You know what, when I've done this, I think I'm going to put another Glasgow video online just because Friday night, it's quarter past nine at the moment, UK time. So hopefully by 10 o'clock-ish, you should see um, a video on there. And I think I'll put up... Do you know what I think I'll put up Enjoy the Silence tonight, guys? So there you go. Um, you know, but obviously by the time everybody else listens to this, it'll all be online. If you want to be on the Empty Spiral podcast, you please, you, you certainly can. Please contact us. Uh, we've had many coil of friends on the podcast over the years, and we welcome anybody, no matter where you are in the world. All you need is Skype. Uh, I send you my details, so send me a message on Facebook. Send an email to mattemptyspiral.net. Uh, post a comment on the podcast. Post in our forums. Say, Matt, I want to be on the podcast. I'll contact you. We'll get together. We'll find a time that's convenient to your time zone. And we'll have a conversation, like much like we've done today. We'll talk about your experiences as a, as a Lacuna Core fan, ask you about whether you had a chance to see the band, how you got into them. Nothing that's going to be too arduous. We just want to hear from fellow fans around the world because every single fan that we have spoken to has had something interesting to say. And if you want to, you can even join us in the review of the particular song that we happen to be talking about in the, in the episode that we're recording. So, again, there's... Nothing scary. You can come and join us. And if you really don't, you say, actually, I didn't enjoy that. I don't want you to put it on. We won't. It's it's really down to giving you a chance to be part of this. So that's the first thing I'll say. If you otherwise want to connect with us, well, firstly, there's the Empty Spiral website, which is www.emptyspiral.net, and you'll find all of the old podcasts, thousands of articles, posts, media, gallery. I'll put all the pictures off the, the current um, show up there i'll be putting more up there that i won't be putting on facebook over the next couple of days there's a forum you know there's loads of stuff on there for anybody who's a, a fan of lacuna core there's our facebook page which is of course facebook.com forward slash empty spiral.net and a lot of the news you'll see on there as well as um photos and videos etc and i'll be putting the, i'm putting the videos on facebook before i'm putting them on youtube at the moment so again 
by the time this podcast goes live, you will definitely see Enjoy the Silence recorded live at Glasgow on there. And that'll be on the Facebook page. Uh, we also have a Twitter feed. So if you like your um, your social networking in chunks of 140 characters, then that's the place to go. So you'll find us over at Twitter at Empty Spiral Net with no full stops. That's just Empty Spiral Net, one word. So check us out there. And again, I'm always ret- retweeting people, um, pasting news articles on there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You'll see us. Feel free to follow us on there. So yeah, you've got no excuses. If you want to get in contact with us, you absolutely feel free to do so. We look forward to hearing from you all. And that's it. It's been a bit of a roller coaster ride. As I look at my recording clock, it says one nineteen. There we go, guys. <laughs> Not quite sure. Boom. Yeah, boom. So, um, hopefully we'll be back next week with more the Kunakor goodness for you. Uh, by then, Mike, maybe you'll be back from Italy so you can give us a, a view of what it's like in Milan and, and Bologna. Um, and we'll put interviews. Maybe we'll start off with Marco since he was the the guy that we managed to catch up with first, but we'll see how we we feel next week. So there we go. Anyway, I've I've run out of words to say, so I'm going to leave it there. Other than to say, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Hopefully we haven't bored you, and I look forward to um, speaking to anyone that wants to join us in the near future. But until we speak to you again, as always, listen to more Lacuna Call. Thank you very much. Cheers, everyone. Ciao.